Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mount Westwire podcast. We got some news we'll talk about here momentarily, but as always mwr.com mwcwire.com to work as well just try it search mountain west wire you'll find us right matt oh absolutely at this point i think we're the number one searchers on google i haven't actually looked lately i should look up my google keywords and google trends from my seo days to see where we're at because i will guarantee this we are the best mountain west website around that covers the entire league well okay so i just ran a quick google search and the number one link is actually our twitter page twitter.com at MWC Wire. I approve. That's us, right? That's still us. That is. <laughs> that is us. So excellent. So that's, that's us right there. That's our Twitter, Facebook, Mountain West Wire. And I should introduce myself, I guess. If you don't know, first time listening, thank you. Thank you very much. Jeremy Moss, Matt Kennerly. We're here to talk about week nine, 10? What's the, what's the official week here? Are we week 10 already? Is it really week 10? I believe it is. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Week 10, November. I guess technically, if you read on the interwebs, uh, I guess November is really when football starts. That's what I've heard. Yeah. November, everything is kind of up in the air going into this weekend. Like, there's obviously some you know clear-cut front runners in both divisions, but I think that you know going into the last month of this season, they both have you know some obstacles that they're going to have to overcome. You know, because both of them, I think. You know, maybe their matchups this weekend don't seem like they should be even, but we've seen in the past that a lot can happen, that you know, upsets can happen in this in this conference. Do I know what the most one of the most historic upsets ever between two teams in this conference that happened in November? What's that? Goalposts weren't regulation. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Boise State, Nevada. That's a while ago, the whack days, but as our good buddy Chris Hondras always says, and everybody else, those goalposts were not regulation size. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's still some people up there that haven't gotten over it. No, I just happened to check out Bill Connolly with his uh, – I think this post is redone from years before. He basically runs down the biggest November plays that kind of changed college football, like Michael Crabtree versus Texas. Uh, like I mentioned, Nevada beating uh, – was it Black Friday, Nevada, Boise State, a couple overtime games. Couple number one versus number two OU Nebraska. So Hell Mary by Doug Flutie. That's a big one. So we'll see it happen. I don't know if we anything big. I guess the big one for us in November would be can Boise State keep winning? They got to play Colorado State pretty soon, and Air Force is somehow in the mix still, or not somehow, but the Mountain Division is far from over despite Boise State being undefeated because they still have Air Force and uh, CSU. So it is it is impossible to predict. I think, but we're gonna give it our best shot anyway. All right, so we get to the games in. Let's start going. We got a few tidbits of news in between the games, but should we start with the uh, the next leg of the Commander and Chief Trophy? Absolutely. Oh, actually, hold on. Before we do that, do we need to mention our really big breaking news? Oh, okay. Let's do that. So, for people who know, and I'm crossing my fingers that this is ready by the time you hear this. If not, hey, you get it early and you find out what's going on. So, for the past what three months since July, I guess we've been on CollegeFootballNews.com. 
mm-hmm. part of uh, USA Today's uh, sports media group. We were, I guess, the guinea pigs of some sort to get something going new and hopefully improved for them and us. So we're still part of uh, USA Today. Thank you for their backing and building websites and stuff for us. However, our stuff will, our new stuff will no longer be on CFN. Same URL, mwr.com, as we said, mwcwire.com. That'll just now go to our own website, which if you ever, uh, it's just going to be called Mountain West Wire, which we've been mentioning that for how long? Months, I guess. Oh, yeah. We've been around since the middle of the summer. I think we're doing something right. Yeah. Looking forward to this date, we chose that name, even though it took a while to find the actual name, because if you ever visit any NFL sites, we had on, um, oh, shoot, what's his name? He's from USA Today Draft Wire. I apologize. Oh, Justin. Was it Justin Moore we had on a while ago? Crap. I apologize for not knowing your name. I should cut it out. <laughs> Dang it. Oh, man. He interviewed uh, Michael Gallup. We talked about Josh Allen. But the thing is, we're now on our own little website. Not little. We are, like I said, we are the experts of this uh, conference. I'm going to say it every time because if you say it enough, it has to become true, right? Oh, yeah. And I compared to where we we're at before, the um, people who came after us. Sorry, folks. You're not doing a good job. I'll say it. People, uh, other not people, saying, not saying anything that's not true. Other people have said it as well. I've received emails about this, so, but um, yeah, we're at new, new, new page. Nothing's really going to change. It's just that if you're if you go to CFN, you won't see our stuff on the homepage. There'll be a it'll be a, a be um, not a bit easier, a lot easier to find. Say, I want to know about Hawaii football or Colorado State or just Mountain West basketball or whatever you want to look at within the Mountain West, like we had before. You'll find. If you want to subscribe to our Air Force section or Boise State section, it'll be easy to find just that team. So you don't have to scroll through everything to say if you don't care about any other team but those two teams, you're there. And, yeah, so visit the website and click the links on it, right? Absolutely. Now it's time for uh, Commander-in-Chief Trophy Part 2, Air Force versus Army. Um, Army's bowl eligible. They're going to the um, Armed Forces Bowl, right? I believe that's what I read earlier today, yes. Still, I should remember this stuff. They've been crazy for what I've been trying to. Yeah, they accept the bowl to the uh, Armed Forces Bowl. So they still have stuff to play for because this is their, one of their best teams in oh, a couple of years, I would say. And they run the similar good old triple option. So this could be a game where they give New Mexico Air Force, right, Matt, where it's super fast and maybe uh, 10 total passing plays. Yeah, I mean, this is not your older brother's army team like this is a team that can actually make some plays on offense and you know while the defense oddly enough leaves something to be desired against the run especially you know this team's like if you look at the numbers they're kind of like mirror images of themselves almost because you know for those of you who aren't familiar with the black knights I mean, it comes down to the running game. And like Air Force, they have a lot of guys that they trust to run the ball. And of the of the six guys they have that have more than 30 carries on the year, five of them are averaging more than five yards a carry. So I think if you're looking for any particular matchup in this game to start with, it's those guys, all of them, which includes the quarterback Ahmad Bradshaw, includes their lead back Darnell Woolfolk, uh, who actually leads the team in, with eight touchdowns. And any of the other guys behind him, like Andy Davidson, Kel Walker, Kalen Holt, you know, you're going to get a lot of those guys. And so it's going to be up to Air Force's front seven to you know really play disciplined football, which I think maybe you started to see it a little bit last week against Colorado State. 
you know, obviously part of their upset win was being able to create turnovers, was, you know, being able to make them one-dimensional and make Nick Stevens pass the ball. But, uh, you know, this is a big moment for, you know, guys especially like um, like Santo Coppola, who's really come on strong in the last couple of weeks. Like, if if these if these guys can play discipline football up front, you know, this is an offense that they see week in and week out in practice. So, well, sort of. Sort of, yeah. I mean, I know it's not perfect, but, you know, they've been able to shut this Army team down before. It's just I think it's going to be more of a challenge than it might have been a year or two ago. Yeah, you know, it's uh, one thing we should mention about the game. Hey, how do you watch it? It's uh, at Air Force, CBS Sports Network, at uh, 1.30 local time. Uh, do you have the line in front of you on this game? I do not. Uh, I do not either. Uh, well, that's okay. You looked it up real quick while I mentioned something here. So I'm looking at Army. Um, like you said, they we know what they want to do, triple option, run the ball. They have a, a lot of good running backs out there. Did you know, um, like I said, their defense is pretty terrible. So do you know what the stuff rate is for offense for the uh, – S&P Plus and all that fun stuff? Uh, I believe... Oh, yeah, I'm actually looking at it right now. The stuff rate is number one. Yeah. Power <laughs> success rate, number one. Offense. They, they don't get pushed back. No. You know, and that's the kind of number that you, would, that you would expect to see from Air Force. And while the Falcons themselves have been pretty good in that, like, you know, they rank in the top 30 at number 28 in that regard. But, you know, the, the percentage, I think, is telling. You know, one of every 10 runs is you know either for zero or for negative yardage and for a team that has run the ball as much as army has that is a significant advantage for them to not get behind schedule to kind of keep things in their favor and that's when you really start to look at efficiency if you look at their overall success rate they're ranked fifth in the country and a lot of that has to do with being successful on pretty much every single down yeah they like their leading rush like you mentioned bradshaw there it's not like uh, it's a little bit different than Air Force, just because Air Force, because with the Army, it's more the quarterback running the ball. In Air Force, yeah, still, I guess it's still the same with Workman, but I would say I don't know. They, I don't know maybe I'm incorrect looking at these numbers here, but if you're going for a quarterback who's more explosive, it's going to be Bradshaw because he's over seven yards per carry, has basically the same amount of yards, but doing it more efficiently. Mm-hmm. And even when he gets um, what's it yards hit? Um, what's the hit yards after? Uh, what is that? Um, yards after contact. Oh, the highlight yards. Oh, highlight yards. Oh, that's what that is. Oh, I yeah, that's basically I. how often they get to the second level. Oh. And when they get to the second level, how successful are they? Okay, I thought it said hit yards. My eyesight's terrible. It's kind of the same concept because he's basically making big plays. That's it's how I don't I don't follow that stat too much. But I get what your point. So. Worth meant 4.8. His yards per carry, 4.8. Bradshaw actually increases, gets a lot better yardage or bigger plays once he gets down the field. So he's more of a, which goes hand-to-hand with his yards per carry. So Air Force, they want to, I think if they're going to stop them, it's not just stopping the running game, stopping him, the quarterback. But then again, you got well, Kill Walker, nine yards a carry. So it's like, it's they got a lot of guys who make big plays. They're making big runs, this team, Air, Army team. Well, and it's not only that, but like Air Force has also taken extremely good care of the football when they've you know been on offense. And, you know, like I mentioned a minute ago, part of Air Force's success last week was being able to create takeaways. But Army's only lost two fumbles this year. And among cool. those, yeah, and among those six guys, they've only fumbled a total of three times. So... 
you know, the defense, I think, is going to be really hard-pressed to replicate last week's success. And, you know, if Army gets down the field and is able to kind of, you know, I'm thinking you're going to see a lot of, you know, 12-play, 75-yard drives, probably on both sides of the football. Because if there's one thing that both of these teams do well, it's finished drives. I think I've mentioned in the past that Air Force is actually, they're still number one in the country in terms of points per trip inside the 40. But Army's right behind them. Like, they're ranked 12th. They're at 5.22 points per trip inside the 40. So it wouldn't surprise me, like, if both of these teams are able to hold on to the ball, if they're able to assert themselves with the ground game, which I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking they will. To me, this just kind of seems like the kind of game where it's relatively low scoring, and then it's a matter of who has the ball last. Could be. It should be a game where points are going to be a premium because, it, like I said, if there's just 12 plays, 10 play, clock sucking drives over six minutes, it might be they might have the yardage there, but they might. this might be a game where it could be like 21-13, 21-20, where you only get like eight total possessions, like well maybe not eight, but like like there's was it one game I saw like last I forget who was playing, but it was something where it was all these long drives where each team had three possessions in the first half, so six total drives combined, I believe it was. That was last week's Fresno State UNLV. Okay, game. that's what it was. Yeah, something like that. So that's a possibility. This could happen where points are at a very premium if these drives do go what Air Force and Army normally can do, and mm-hmm. then it could be like I mentioned with like the Fresno with the. Last week, there's also a couple, Was it? I think it was the same game, quick drives as well. So if you're having these long drives, you got to bail your other other half of your team out. So like if there's a 10-play drive against Army or Air Force defense, your offense can't go on the field next time and go three and outs. And so that could be an issue as well. If somehow one of the defenses step up, then it could be like a snowball effect. If you have a long drive, defense gets like maybe a five-minute real-time break because you go three and outs. That that could be an issue. I don't know if any defense could do. I'd maybe lean more toward Air Force um, causing those three and outs or maybe like a short drive compared to like Army's defense isn't very good. And also Army, who they played, they haven't played anybody of great note. Buffalo, they played Ohio State, but Tulane's getting better. But like they beat UTEP, who's S&P 128, Rice 127, Temple's right around 100 mark. Eastern Michigan's their best win, and they're just middle of the pack. And so... Compared to Air Force, you would think Air Force should be able to handle this game, even though, like, the percentage-wise, it's a toss-up. But I think it's going to come down to a defense making a stop and it's kind of turning the turning the ball around. Not turning the ball around, but flipping the script around where offense does have a good drive and just forcing a quick out and then going down and punishing a defense again because that's, that's quite the possibility. And we've seen Air Force uh, have some stops, whether it be versus Michigan, we mentioned a million times, just field goals or – Quick, quick drives because if you're on the, if you're on the option, if it's thirty nine, Army's not getting a first down. Mm-hmm. They're not going through the air. Come on. Yeah, and I mean, I'm thinking like if it's a back and forth game, what I'm really interested in seeing is what happens if Army is the team that maybe there's two or three minutes left, and they have to go eighty yards down the field, because I'm looking at Ahmad Bradshaw's numbers in particular. You know when. Army is down or within a touchdown, essentially, if they're losing or they're tied. Actually, when they're, t- I'll split it up. When they're tied, he's averaging nine yards a carry, which is kind of absurd. Yeah. And granted, and granted, it's only 26 carries, so, you know, small sample caveats apply. But that's still kind of meaningful. Like, if they're in a situation where they need to pin Army back, like, he's shown that he can 
create plays and you know run for first downs you know on his own and when they're losing by a touchdown within one to seven points he's still averaging about six and a half yards per carry but what i'm interested in seeing is like if they're down seven and maybe they only have one timeout or something like that there's not that much time left on the clock can they force him to pass because if army has one hindrance it's that Bradshaw has been really rough as a passer. You know, like he's only 10 of 35 on the season, which, you know, if you're doing the math, it's a 28% completion percentage. You know what that looks like? And he makes Josh Allen look like a first-round quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to make some people mad, man. Just but saying. I'm, it's but, okay. But to, to put that you know into context, for as good as he's been running the football in those situations – do you want to know what his pass, what his percentage rating is when the game is tied and he has to throw the ball? Um, I know overall it's twenty eight percent. What is it when it's tied? Zero. Zero, or has he not completed the, or has he not attempted the pass? No, he's attempted seven passes. Okay, and completed zero of them. Okay. And when you look, as far as I know, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, and then if you, even if you want to expand that to include when they're down by a touchdown, you know they're one. He's one of six. So in those situations altogether, he's one of 13 as a passer. So my guess is, you know, no matter what, they're going to run the ball at you. And it's Mm going to be up to the Air Force front seven to just make plays to, you know, they're going to be efficient probably rather than explosive. But can they hold them off just enough, you know, if they're in that situation where they need to close them out on one last drive? I'm thinking like looking what Army's done, kind of seeing who they've played and how they played and what they're doing. We know the offense is there because, like, they're great on standard downs. They're a top, what, top 25 team. They – but it's a defense. I just keep looking at that defense. Like, they're in the bottom, what, 80 percentile in nearly, like, every category, essentially, that's important, and particularly, like, running categories on defense. It's like – I think I think Air Force is going to have a field day and run the ball. They're a six-point favorite. Their schedule's been super soft for Army. They haven't played a team that moves the ball like this. Ohio State moves it differently, but I don't see Army stopping this offense at all. So here's here's one number that stands out to me. So if you've listened to the podcast in the past, you know I like to talk about havoc rate every so often, which is essentially, you know, tackles for loss, you know, basically positive plays that a defense can make, you know, creating a turnover, tackle for loss, sack, and so on. So while the overall havoc rate on the team is 111th, their linebackers rank 11th in Havoc rate. So to me, it'll be really interesting to see what kind of role they play in this game. Because let's say Air Force is down by seven. You know, how are they going to attack Arian Worthman with a guy like James Nactigal, who has four and a half tackles for loss, but he also has three sacks. And they've got, a, you know, a guy who's basically the anchor of the defense in Alex Ackerman, who has five sacks and ten and a half tackles for loss. So it's not as though they don't have guys who can make plays, but it's going to be really interesting to see just how much havoc they can wreak in this game. Because you know Air Force, like you said, they're going to be able to run it right at them probably with a lot of success. But how do those guys answer You know, when the chips are down and they need to make a play? Are they going to be able to do it? Well, also, Air Force can actually throw the ball. Worthman has shown, like, look at the Navy game. He thrown for quite a few yards. He had, was it that Navy game where he had, what, 200 yards passing? Like, yeah. there he can pass the ball if need, but he's not always uber efficient. But I'm going to put, I'd put money, not just because we talked about Air Force more than Army, but 
if it's a seven point game or an eight point game, uh, or there's say like six minutes left or down ten, Air Force could easily not easily, but there obviously I'd be more confident in them go- going down and getting those ten points or whatever needed two scores with under five or six minutes in the game. Whereas Army, they're just gonna have to run the ball and hope they bust out a big play if they're if they need a score late. So I'm going Air Force to win. They're also a there's a reason they're a six and a half point favorite in this game. It's at home as well, but. The spread's pretty high. They're 62. Or no, it dropped from 62 to 56. But I think Air Force went by 10 points. I think it's going to be really close. Why is that? And Turnover, I'm, fumbles just, by, Ar- by Air Force, since that's a possibility? No, I just think that these two teams, especially on offense, are very evenly matched. So like, it wouldn't surprise me if there weren't more than like three or four punts in this game because they're either trading touchdowns or trading field goals or something like that. I think Air Force is going to win, but I think they're going to have to survive. And so I'm going to say 35-34. I think it'll be close, but I just think Air Force defense will make an extra stop or two compared to Army. Okay. So that's where I'm going at. But uh, if I go for score-wise, I guess I'll go... Like I think By, by saying 10 points, I think it's going to be like Air Force it's going to be close, but Air Force will probably get like that last touchdown. But I'll go 30, uh, 30 to 20. So, points and be keeping, the clo- keeping it close. All right. Utah State at New Mexico. That game is on the good old AT&T Sports Network. Uh, it's at Albuquerque. Um, oh, the line on the game really quick. I should pull it up and get ready for that. I'm going to bet. I didn't look at it. I, er, I have it in front of me, so I'll let you guess for a change. I just saw it just now. It's minus four for Lobos. <laughs> I think. That, all right, we okay. well, let's. I'll, we'll play the game later on. I'll, I'll, I'll close that. I'll close that tab out. Okay. To get to the Vegas Insider, but uh, here's the thing. Bob Davies asked about who's gonna be quarterback. Uh, my gut tells me Lamar Jordan. It's just oh, come on. It's, man. it's just gut right or wrong. <laughs> I mean, honestly, with with. As unproductive as the throwbows have been this year, they don't deserve you know, that anymore. Think, no more, no I more mean, throwbows. I th- I, I, that's what I'm saying. Like I think we were all interested in how that kind of shift in the offense was going to work out. And yeah, they're you know Jordan's been in and out with some injuries early in the season and stuff like that. But you know you're looking at three guy, you know two guys in Tuiotti and, and Lamar Jordan who combined like they're under one-to-one on touchdowns and interceptions they're under 50 percent completion rates and you know jordan in his time as a passer has you know taken a sack basically one every eight dropbacks so like is it even worth it at this point i feel like it's gotten to the point where it's affecting the effectiveness of the running game it is okay here's really quick what offensive coordinator bob the best said earlier t- or earlier this week um Hard to go. Blah, 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 blah. Six wins, bowl game seems unlike, highly likely. Okay, here it is. The only thing I know how to do, he says, um, hoping three game losing streak, all that fun stuff, is to keep grinding until we find the answer. I know that sounds simplistic, but what else are you going to do? You know what you're going to do, coach? You're going to run the ball. That's what you're going to do. Wouldn't that be nice? That's what you got Richard McCorley back there. You got Jordan. Even two after, he can run the ball reasonably well when he's in there. But they have the backs, they have the offensive scheme. I know we kind of joked about throwing, but they wanted to throw it, but you can't force it. If it's not working, do what you do best. Do or do what you do what you do. What got you here, man? You, the reason, there's a reason they've they were they tied for the conference or the division title last year. There's a reason they're beating Boise State. The reason they're beating good teams and getting not being the laughing stock. Run the ball. 
I mean, I think the only argument you can make against that is, you know, for for all of the grief that we give Utah State for, you know, whatever the hell they happen to be doing on offense from week to week. <laughs> Who knows? Like, you know, in some respects, like their their defense has been okay. Like, especially in conference play, like they're they're right they're actually slightly above the league average as far as, you know, yards per carry allowed on defense. Like in in five games they're allowing about four point three yards, which is good. It's not great, but it's not as though New Mexico is really blowing the doors off of people in conference play with their running game. Like you go back and look at what they were able to do last year where they were leading the conference at almost seven yards a carry. This year they're right around five, which, you know, at least with the track record that the Lobos have put up the last couple of years, not quite as spectacular as you might have expected coming into the year. So I think that there's a chance that, you know, if the linebackers especially can play disciplined, you know, Suli Tamaivena, I think has had a pretty quietly effective year so far like he's up to five and a half tackles for a loss he has three sacks you know they're probably not going to throw the ball that much with the secondary that utah state has like they've created a lot of turnovers by throwing the football so i think new mexico is going to be tempted to run but the question is you know are they going to be able to be as explosive as they were last year and i think you know utah state their defense can be forgiven a little bit for some of the situations that they've been put into this year. But this is kind of a big opportunity for them, too, to kind of sh- you know step up against a, a unique and a tough opponent on offense. So let me tell you this. I'm looking at Coach Wells' uh, transcript from the press conference. I was going to say, like, Aggie's going to win because of the way they're, commit- they're forcing turnovers and the way the low boys are giving it up through the air. So mm-hmm. here's – I'm going to read you his quote about what he mentioned about the offense, which is – very sound, but then at the, the last line makes me uh, kind of concerned. Okay, this uh, what they're doing. They got the option offense. They've uh, that's helped them turn on the program. They've done extreme. They've been extremely impressive um, on the ways they run the ball. Counter option, double option, lead option, probably some speed option mixed in. Then here it is. I haven't studied them th- that much this year. Oh come on, man! <laughs> Give us like, it's like, are you kidding me? He's like, he's like, I haven't studied them that much this year. And then. You want to hear another gem from Coach Wells here? Okay, okay. Uh, here's what he thinks about the New Mexico's quarterback situation. I have no idea what they're going to do at quarterback. That's that's a fair. That's fine to say. He goes. On, well, to be fair, to be fair, I don't think New Mexico <laughs> knows what they're going to do at quarterback either. There's that. He continues to say, "I don't know. I have no idea." We certainly see, seen Lamar Jordan. He's a good quarterback. We've seen him for several years now. But it's like he's like he just says, "This is the best part. This this adequately describes the Lobos." Um, or teams against the Lobos. Well says, I'm just glad Taron Gibson isn't there anymore. <laughs> Lobos would love to have him back on the sideline doing something. And he's just like, he's like, I don't know what they're doing. They got Toyota. He could throw the ball. We're going to prepare for their offense and their scheme and what they do. And so it's, it's a few interesting things there, but it's like him saying, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it, Coach speak is the worst. It's just like a, we have Anna go to the San Jose state press conferences she always asks if there's an injury. What do you got for player X? Like Rashad Johnson, who's got her got that concussion last week, or Montel Aaron. I got no update. Oh, I see. I see Montel running around. I don't know what's going to happen. It's like, coach, give us something. You're not guard. Like I say all the time, you're not guarding secrets to anything valuable. You know what I mean? I get your jobs on the line, but it's not like you're protecting like the nuclear codes or anything. It's like, what are you gonna do? 
people seeing your tape and play, what you're doing. It's some of the covering teams like this. It's annoying. It's like, come on. Yeah, it's not like state secrets or anything, right? Exactly. Well, yeah. But here's what I'm going to lean towards this game. Um, There's no word on what Aggies are doing at quarterback because Matt Wills doesn't answer those questions. Or, excuse me, they're not asked about those questions. I'm assuming it's uh, settled with um, Jordan back there, Jordan Love. That would make the most sense, right? So I just went to look at the updated depth chart. Is it, and, is it updated or is it the old? Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't know if it's updated. It does say depth chart week 10. And Kent Myers is still at the top of the quarterback depth chart. Remember, he fooled us before a couple years ago with uh, this is true. who was it? The uh, Devontae Mays injury. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say uh, I just throw it away. Actually, it says week nine, <laughs> not week 10. Unless College Press Box uploaded the wrong one. I think they might have because I just went straight to the Utah State website. Okay. Well, here's the way well, from what we saw a lot from what we saw last week. What Kent Myers have one throw? I would expect him to not play much at all, if any. I think it's Jordan Love's job, and what they what they're going to do. I guess because this game's going to be interesting. I'm wondering if the Lobos should they should go back to running the ball like crazy because they had five turnovers, five interceptions, I should say, against Wyoming. Utah State is uh what do they have forced twenty turnovers this year? It's like plus sixteen or seventeen. Yeah, ten turnovers on or ten fumbles, ten interceptions forced. They're plus two on the air, oh, by the way. That's it. Jeez, you're, you got twenty ter- takeaways, but you're plus two. That's not good. And then, well, well, you want you want to know what it comes down to? What, what does it come down to? It comes down to the fact that you know, for a team that wants to throw the ball as much as it does, you can't. <laughs> Yeah, like we just talked about, you know, maybe New Mexico should think about not throwing. Like, do you realize, like, when you look at their numbers, the advanced numbers especially, as far as, you know, passing downs, which, you know, seems kind of obvious, but you're talking about, like, you know, I think it's like second or third and seven or longer, basically. You know, if you think of the standard definition of a passing down, like an obvious passing situation, you know, New Mexico, their success rate currently ranks 116th, but do you know where the Utah State's rank I'm not look- in that I is? I have it pulled up. I'm not looking. I'm going to say 122. Uh, well, their passing success rate is 76. Okay. But, they're passing, but their passing down success rate is 119. No good. Yeah. It's like, they're li- like they want to throw the ball. But they're literally one of the worst teams in the country when it comes to like obvious passing situations. So my question for you, because I feel pretty strongly about this, is it going to matter who's at quarterback? I say a little bit because here's why. Um, I'm looking at a couple of the stuff what Love has been doing. He's actually moved. He seems to be, and I haven't seen every single snap, every single game for Utah State or every play. Seems like Jordan's in there. He moves the ball a bit better. He has fewer interceptions, but. Yeah, he has 70 less seventy less pass attempts. But then again, he's not completing as many passes as Myers. But then again, he's better yards per attempt, and he's not getting sacked as much. Kent Myers' sack rate's almost 10%. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jordan loves about two, two and a half. I, I've, I've seen, I think the offense would move better with Jordan in there, but here's the thing. If it doesn't matter who's at quarterback, like what what's his offense going to do? If, if quarterback's not an issue, or if, like if you say it doesn't matter... What what matters him because their running offense is arguably even worse than their passing offense. That is true. So is it just going to be um, Dallin Levitt or um, whoever uh, Jalen uh, Dave? Oh, geez, um, crap. Um, oh, geez, what's it? Jalen. 
Why am I forgetting his face on his name? Um, Are you referring to Jalen Davis? I, I was want to say Davis, but for some reason I was going to say like Jalen Dawkins. I'm like, that's not right. Is it going to be those two guys just getting pick sixes all day? I don't know. What's going to happen? Get him a first and goal to 10 after a fumble recovery? I, what What is this offense going to do? Because the one hunt's not the answer. We thought El Toro Allen could be, but Justin Heavery, Trey Miller, I don't know. You know what I think they should do more of? Complete more passes? <laughs> yeah, but more specifically, I think they should complete more passes to Dax Raymond. Yeah. Be- because if he offers anything in this offense that like nobody else in the conference really has, it's a weapon at the tight end position. And, you know, if you look at his production basically over the last month, like his he's been pretty steady. Like he has at least five catches in the last four games, and while the production's been a little bit hit and miss as far as, you know, yards per catch. You know, I think his most successful game was against Wyoming when he was averaging 14 yards a catch. But if they can create space for him down the field, like let him go down the seam or something like that, I feel like, you know, with the numbers that he's put up this year, like he's he's actually one catch behind Tarver Mm -hmm. being the team's leading receiver. But, you know, among the guys who get a lot of work, he's the guy who's also has the most reliable hands. Like he's got a catch rate that's a shade under 75%. So I think if you're going to attack New Mexico in any particular way, I think you almost have to go to Raymond who represents kind of a mismatch that I don't know New Mexico can keep up with. That'd be good. Like they pass it. And cause what we do know as well, pass to him, but Aggies are going to want to pass. Maybe this is the game because if you, if you look what they've done a little bit in the passing game overall, cause we talked about with David Yosta, OC new guy coming in, during the off season, during the regular season, during just a couple of games, like like, well, are they gonna how many are they gonna throw forty times a game? When you look at what Ket Myers has done, because he's technically been the starter more often than not. He had they started off Wisconsin, yeah, different forty one, twenty six, twenty three, twenty seven, twenty nine passes per game, which is above what they want him to do, but what kind of what the offense wants to do. But then if you look at I'm trying to get Love's numbers here, Jordan Love, he is maybe they're going away from it, but I don't think so because the past three games, he's had more more attempts, so they're going to throw the ball more. They got to get to Tarv. They got to get it to the tight end. They got to get to everybody. He's gone 18, 27, 32 attempts. Percentage wise, hasn't been there, but I'm expecting them to be. I expect Love to be the guy and him to throw at least 30 times to be the offense that David Yost and Matt Wells want. Where they talked about all year long, three to five wideouts, shotgun, maybe one back, maybe two if it's like a tight formation or something, but still shotgun. So I think there'll be a lot more passes. And Lobo's defense, they made Josh Allen look amazing. Not to joke on that, but Josh Allen looked really good last week. and made great throws. Yeah, he's a better passer than Jordan Love, but this defense from Lobo is in the secondary and passing game in particular is something that Utah State will have to take advantage because I, I don't trust anything other of the running game one bit to do well. I just don't. It, it's just been so inconsistent. I don't know what to think of the running game, really. So we know what their passing game can do and what they want to do. At least we know that's kind of their identity of what they may throw 30 times. They're going to go to Tarver. They're going to spread it out. They're going to go downfield. So I think that's what I expect to see in this game. And, you know, one more thing I would keep an eye on um, before we go to predictions, I assume. You know, if New Mexico decides to throw, my guess is they probably try to throw away from Jalen Davis. Yeah. So to me, the guy worth watching in this game is the guy who's been starting opposite of Davis in the la- at least in the last week. You know, they have a redshirt freshman out in there out there now named Jamarcus Ingram, 
who, you know, in limited duty, he's already racked up 22 tackles, which is pretty solid, but he also has five pass breakups as well. So it'll be interesting to see, like, you know, regardless of whoever's under center for the Lobos, do they decide to pick on him and how do they decide to do it? Because if they, you know, do a lot of those, you know, sideline to sideline passes, try to create space for their guys, you know, on the sidelines, you know, like someone like um, Chris Davis in particular, he's been pretty good about, you know, making something out of nothing, you know. Ingram might be a guy worth watching as you know playing a significant role and really kind of limiting those ex- potentially explosive plays. He's a guy I know I'm going to be watching for sure. All right, so Lobo, I think the Lobos will go back to the running game. I think it'll be Jordan Moore quarterback, but I'm debating like going back and forth. It's like it's hard to pick this game because neither team really impresses me all that much. Because <laughs> I think if the Aggies are going going to go to a bowl game, they need to win this game. I think so because they're sitting at four and five. Uh, you got New Mexico, Hawaii, Air Force. Three games left. So Hawaii's at home, but dang, Lobos was it touchdown for the Lobos? Right? Are they the favorite here? Is out. Uh, it, they are four point favorites, and it's in Albuquerque, right? It not is. Not that it matters that much, but I guess you're not at home, so maybe it does matter. Ah man, both teams need this for a bowl game. I. Trying to think who who's been more consistent has has yeah. can we make that argument if who's been more consistent at all I don't know uh, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go Utah State because I think if the Lobos continue to throw they're not gonna be successful again because because of five interceptions last week versus in Utah State secondary like their defense it overall isn't as good as Wyoming's but the secondary is probably on the, in the same neighborhood with Davis and Dallin Levin those guys back there so I think the Aggies are gonna win like. 28-20? Question mark? I don't think I, I don't I don't think I've ever been less confident about a prediction at any point this year what? because I have no idea what's gonna happen between these two yeah, things. Yeah, I rambled for three minutes and said nothing. <laughs> I think if if I'm gonna trust anything, I think the Utah State defense is the best unit on the field. So I'm going to go with the Aggies to win as well. I'm kind of expecting this to be a really ugly game one way or the other. So I'm going to say 20-13, to 13, Utah State comes away with a win. All right. Oh, man. All right. Next game, which um, you may or may not be able to see. Get the line ready because I'm going to guess the line here. You got Hawaii at UNLV, which is a a rare spectrum pay-per-view away from the mainland, away from the islands because I think their TV deal requires seven spectrum games. So if you're shelling out sixty bucks, I, I guess I applaud you. Whatever it is for Hawaii fans, uh, it's four p.m. Oh, I guess three Pacific out there. Also, before we get to the, the line, we got to. I'm going to call it the Golden Pineapple. I don't care what anybody else says, but I'm going that for the trophy, new trophy. They, sh- they should have just called it the Ninth Island Trophy. That too. And you see Twitter response, people are like, why is it called the Ninth Island? Well, you should know, right? Because it's been a rival, even though they played twenty six times. There's a lot of, I guess, I assume there's a lot of people. I assume it's called that because a lot of people from Hawaii live in Vegas, right? I'm yeah, assuming. pretty much. And that's, there's a lot of people from Vegas. Like, you could say it's like uh, a lot of people from New York City, East Coast, live out there because it's nice and dry and it's not Phoenix. <laughs> it's more fun. But, like. Oh, yeah, I was going to say Vegas is also fun. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, the trophy, it's like, we're going to do an article on this eventually because we had a couple new. Even though you're going to say every time Fremont Cannon, which is hard to argue, this is a pretty good trophy, right? Because people don't realize that before both these teams were in the Mountain West, 
They were sort of a rival. Rival. They played almost every year, twenty six times since I think the sixties. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a, it's a game where you got a good trophy. It's one of the. I think it's a, it's better than that stupid Penn State trophy that we saw. What was that a phone? A phone on a shelf. <laughs> the yeah, a shelf. Yeah, I mean the Mountain West is full of quality trophies, and I think that this is a worthy addition to the collection of great trophies that the conference has. Are there any other trophies in the country? Mate, um. And they get the Apple Cup, I guess. But any other trophies modeled after a fruit or a food? Oh, that's a really good question. He's got a lot of cannons. You got the milk jug, Paul um, oil can, and Fresno and Aztecs. You have the uh, Paul Bunny. Big Ten has some good trophies. Not the Cyhawk, of course, but there's a lot of. I don't know the food trophies. I'm just wondering. Next, next evolution. Okay, you got the pineapple, which makes sense. You got the Apple Cup, I guess, in Northwest. But I want, like, uh, can we get the. Like the pizza cup or something? I don't know. Some a burger burger battle. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would be kind of cool. Well, what we'll workshop this in the off season, but there there's got to be some. I like the pineapple, but I want actual like a, a meal trophy of some sort. I don't know, but so the line. Let me. You got the line up ready for me to, to uh, take a stab at? I do. I do. Yes. So this game is in Las Vegas. Um, mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. I, I should have looked this up before. Is Armani Rogers playing? That is an excellent question. I hadn't heard anything one way or the other. I'm assuming, like, if he's, you know, cleared from the concussion protocol, that he's definitely going to play, but I have not seen anything one way or the other. All right. I was just curious. Okay. I'm just trying to think real quick. Um, I, it's in Vegas. Uh, no John Ursua. Uh, I, I guess I, I'm going to go Vegas by four. You are a little bit. You're a little bit low, actually. Really low. Mm. They really like John Ursua, I guess. Well, I guess the opposite, but uh, so it's six points. Still a little bit. What low. eight ten? They have it listed at seven and a half. Dude, I take Hawaiian heartbeat at seven and a half. You think so? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to let you riff on that then. Why would you take Hawaii? Here's the thing. Um, Dice, um, they got a good running back. You heard of Dyson May St. Just? Just? This, that's He's true. He's pretty good, right? He is pretty good. Uh, can the Rebels really stop the ground game all that well? Another excellent question. <laughs> that, that's why. However, there's going to be a lot of points in this game. Like It could be like 30 to 30, something like that. Uh, speaking of quarterback really quick, at his midweek press conference, Tony Sanchez says Rodgers has been cleared to practice, but I'll have to prove once again He's the best option. Is that a question? He is the best option, right? As long if he's healthy, Johnny Stanton, quarterback turned linebacker, wasn't even practicing with the quarterbacks all week long or all year long or sparingly. Beat Fresno State. I get you beat Fresno, and, but Rogers beat is, them in the ugh. beat them in the flukiest possible. Yeah, way. it's like what four field goals or something. It's like, geez, come on. Well, just like they had, he had no big plays essentially. Which I think if, you know, regardless of who's under center, whether it's Rodgers or Stanton or whether... Palandek. For whatever... Yeah, or whether they decide to turn to Kurt Palandek, you know, I think that there's definitely a better opportunity for them to create big plays against this particular defense. Because, you know, again, if you listen to our recap show, you you heard that Christian Chapman wasn't totally accurate. He was only 5 of 11. But he was averaging 16 yards per completion against this defense. Yeah. And so, you know, if 
if I'm UNLV, yeah, maybe I'm going to have some difficulty stopping Diosmi St. Juiced. But are they going to be able to stop anything I want to do? I don't know. Because if also look the other way around, like for like you're going to see a big dose of the running game for UNLV as well. So it's like this is going to be battle of the running backs. Mm-hmm. Because you got there's a lot of good running backs in the conference, like St. Juice and what UNLV has with uh, I guess Fresno. Everybody like most teams have a good running back, obviously obviously Aztecs, but like Lexington Thomas is still averaging about seven yards a carry and thirteen touchdowns. He's getting and he wasn't even really the starter. He, he had Charles Williams there for a little well, sorta, kinda taking a couple of carries away here and there, but like what is this Hawaii defense? They're not gonna do much. Like look at Penny dragged. Who was he dragging last week for like ten yards? The jersey that would never tear. It was Jelani Tavai. Yeah, Jelani Tavai. Like, so if you're beating past him, and not to say Thomas is Penny, but he's he's on par with the, at least almost production wise. Like, like I say, he's leading the conference in uh, touchdowns. And this is a team where they know they're going to run. It's not like Rogers is going to like you said. He has a deep playability a bit, but he wasn't going like twenty or thirty. He's throwing maybe fifteen times a game at most, if that. See, my bigger question is, you know, yes, Lexington Thomas is probably, I mean, he's probably going to run for 100 yards, let's be real. To me, the bigger question is, you know, can UNLV slow down the passing game? Because one thing I think that, you know, hurt the, they hurt Fresno State a little bit last week by completing a lot of underneath passes. And while they didn't have a lot of big plays, you know, the, the young guys, you know, especially someone like Brandon Presley, who very quietly maybe kind of sort of has been stepping up in the last couple weeks like he's up to only 20 catches on the year but he did have a pretty productive game last week and he is the one guy among their young receivers who's you know I think making the most of his limited opportunities like he's averaging right around 14 yards per catch so I mean if I'm a Hawaii fan yeah you're obviously worried about Devontae Boyd but, you know, that's another guy, I think, in particular that you're really going to have to keep an eye out for because we've seen that he has a little bit of catch and run ability. And he's the one guy on the team with the highest catch rate. Like, he's the only guy, you know, other than Kendall Keys, who's above 50% as far as catch rates. So they've been able to get in the ball, and he's been able to make plays with it. And, you know when you're thinking about what this Hawaii defense has really struggled with this year, it's just stopping big plays through the air. There's that. But I think if if it's not going to be Rodgers, it's going to be Stanton because it gives them another week together to uh, work with a pound, uh, not pound, like, sorry, but like Boyd, Kendall Keys, all the receivers they have. But on the other side, like uh, missing John Ursua was a pretty big deal for Hawaii in their previous game. Like yes. he was, I, I'd say him and Mike, he's right there with Michael Gallup and what he could do on the field. Dylan Colley's pretty good, 29 catches. Like, Eamon Barker's 28. But I don't think they have a guy who's going to get 100, 150 yards a game in this matchup. Maybe for, So that's something as well. Like, maybe this will be a game where somebody does step up, where it's game basically game two and a half. Or say the off week, they had half a game without Ursua. They had a full game last week. But they go on the road and may, hope maybe they finally figured out, like, okay, this guy could step up. Like we mentioned last week. Yeah, it might be Kali, Barker, they're all going to step up, but maybe it's like Marcus Armstrong-Brown or somebody else tight end like uh, Matusi Lea Unga. Maybe he'll do something in the tight end position and get some more passes his way. That's what I want to see if what they're going to do in the passing game is like, is there going to be a guy step up? If not, that's fine. It could be four different guys catching, what, an extra pass or two. 
Like, there's going to be – they need to find a way to make it up, whether it's one guy or, or four or five guys getting an extra 100 yards between those five guys, which mm-hmm. may, could make them more dangerous if they're spreading the ball around that more because Drew Brown's a better – here's the thing. Drew Brown's a better quarterback, but the receiver but the receiver I'd still give to UNLV, but their quarterback situation negates that a bit. I still think it's going to be the running game that's going to lead – well, running game's going to be fine. I, no, let me check that. I think – the quarterback game is going to be more important if Rodgers doesn't play because the running game will be there for either side. And I think I'm going to incline to say Hawaii could win this because if Drew, particularly if Drew Brown starts because more experienced, uh, Johnny Stanton hasn't played quarterback much this year. Yeah. Hawaii needs a quarter, needs a receiver to step up, but I go with the better players. Drew Brown's a better player at quarterback. And that's the area. The passing game is the area. I think is going to be the big difference in this game. Which team can it pass better? And whoever passes better is going to be fine because the yards will be there on the ground. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm mostly inclined to a, I'm mostly inclined to agree. I just I don't have a clear sense of like you know whether Drew Brown minus his number one receiver or you know receivers like Devontae Boyd minus their number one quarterback. Like, which situation would you rather have? Like, I'd rather me, have the quarterback, I right? I'd rather have that guy. I mean. Theoretically, yeah, but, you know, this wide receiver core, you know, I thought they would show me something, at least a little something last week against San Diego State. And while, yeah, there's a lot more give, I think, in this Rebels defense, like, let's not forget, like, they didn't necessarily have very many tackles for loss or pass breakups last week. But they did play their best game of the year, like a full 60 minutes against Fresno State last week. And they have had success, you know, shutting offenses down prior to that. You know, obviously they had their big second half collapses against Utah State and Air Force. But, you know, you still have those at least mild track records of defensive success. And so I don't necessarily think that, you know, Drew Brown throwing against this defense without his number one receiver is necessarily a given. Well, look, like I'm going back to past two games. I don't have it split by first half or second half when he left. Maybe I can do that in a second here. But past two games, like his completion percent, he has one touchdown, which is in two games, which is his worst stretch of the year. No interceptions, which is good. But like the, his yards per completion, yards per attempt, excuse me, his also were lowest of the year last week for San Diego State. I know they have a good defense, but versus the Aztecs, 4.8 yards per attempt. 7.5 versus San Jose, which was part of the game without Ursua, the, Ursua there. Right, he was hurt versus San Jose State, right? Am I correct on that? Or was it Nevada? I do not recall. I'm trying to remember and... what it was. But regardless, the past two games have been almost his worst, been, have been his worst two games completion percentage-wise. I guess well, Western Colorado, Carolina, whatever, but 52%, 57%, yards per attempt down, touchdowns down, QB rating down, and obviously the reason with that is because look who he's missing. You're missing your best player. Here it is. Uh, I can't – sorry, I was going to break it down one more step, but I could not do that. But So it's it's a real thing, him not having Ursua back there. But I think they can compensate a bit on the ground game. I, I'm still, I know it's tough to pick the road team here. If Armani Rogers plays, I'd go with them, but I'm not confident he's going to play. From what Coach Sanchez said during the week, even though he's cleared to practice, I still think Rogers would give him the best chance to win, but I'm going with Hawaii to win it, to not just cover that seven and a half points, whatever he said, eight points. What was it, six and a half? What was it exactly again? 
It was it was seven. Seven and a half. half. I'm going to Hawaii for the outright. I guess I'll, this will be my stupid upset pick, but I'm going to Hawaii to win because St. Jude's will run like crazy. See, I kind of like UNLV because, you know, if they can at least replicate a little bit what they did last week, I don't necessarily know that they're going to be able to dink and dunk their way down the field so much. But I think they're definitely going to be able to create a few more big plays than they did last week. And so I feel like, you know, for as – I mean, I feel like Hawaii just hasn't been that good on defense. And so I don't really see that much reason to bet on them in this particular in this particular case. So I have UNLV winning, I guess. I mean, I guess I could take Hawaii to cover. But I'm going to say that UNLV wins – 28 21. All right. I'm going a bit. Um, well, I, I shouldn't go lower because Hawaii's defense isn't very good. I think it'll be. Uh, I'll go a little bit higher than you, maybe. Like, I'll go 31 24 for Hawaii. Points. Give me the points. Lots of points. All right. All right. We need to move quickly. We're almost at an hour here, and we still have like four games left to talk about. Okay. Uh, let's move a little quicker. So we got Nevada at Boise State. Uh, ESPNU, uh, was it, uh, oh, I don't have a kick time. Oh, there it is, uh, 5 p.m. Mountain Time. Let me guess, you got the lineup? You got that ready for me to take a stab at? Uh, crap, I just, ah! <laughs> just closed the tab. Um, well, let's get, really quick, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, because I saw something from Chris Murray from the Reno Gazette Journal. He mentioned, um, who would the who would two Nevada fans rather want to be, Boise State or UNLV? And I believe I saw that column. He said Boise State. And wouldn't I mean? Wouldn't the answer always be Boise State? The better team—that's his argument because UNLV's been garbage the past however many years. Okay, so I, I have the line now. Right. I'll say Boise by nine. You are way off. Which way? More? Fifteen? Way way low. Twenty-two? Low. You're higher. Yeah, twenty-two. <laughs> really? Opened at twenty. Now at twenty-two. Take Nevada. I'm. I don't care right now. Take Nevada. Their last two games scored 84 points in two games. Lost both games by a combined five points. Ty Ganji's getting something done in the air. I, I'm not going to pick them to win. Spoiler, Boise's going to win. But take Nevada to cover that for sure, man. Come on. Right? It has to be. It has to I was going to say, right I was going to say, is this a trap game for Boise? It's a rival game. Right? Do you think it's, they haven't played in a couple years. I mean, the only reason I think this could be a trap game is because I, I don't know that it's a perfect analogy, but we saw that fourth quarter comeback that Washington State had against them back in September. And, you know, like you said, Nevada's, you know, they the wins haven't necessarily followed the production. But, you know, I don't think that there's any doubt that the offense especially has been more productive in conference play than they have been overall you know because on the year you know by yards per game they're second in the conference right behind Colorado State you know they're averaging 264 yards per game on the season but you know in conference play granted it's only four games they're up above 330 yards through the air so far and you know Ty Ganji has 14 touchdowns against just four interceptions the question to me is like, you know, I feel like they're going to ha- pose a really interesting challenge for a pretty talented Boise secondary. But, you know, 
the same question is always with this Nevada team. Are they going to be able to make stops? And I think that's what this game is ultimately going to come down to. I think you're right because Boise's offense, like you, I think you mentioned on Twitter at some point this past week, this is the offense, or not just offense, the team we thought would be seen from Boise State. Where Alexander mm-hmm. Madison's healthy, he's had, I think he's averaged 100 yards game, 100 average, not above, but since that Boise's, or the BYU victory, he's been doing pretty good on running the ball. Actually, so found the guy who could actually do it, replacing um, McNichols. Yeah, he's had three of his past four games over 100 yards, average 100 yards pass during that time stretch as well. And assuming he's healthy, and then they figured out with Montel Cozart and Burt Rippin. Burt Rippin had his best game of the year last year, even though he split time. But it's kind of figured out, like, Rippin's going to be the guy down the field, but once he gets inside the 25-yard line, they'll go to Cozart because it gives you uh, – I know the field shortens a bit, but Cozart has that ability to run to not wildcat, but maybe do a read option with her takeoff and run himself. And so they figure mm-hmm. things out. Maybe it just took eight, seven, eight, nine weeks to figure it out, and they have, and – they're playing um, as the best team at the moment in the conference, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. And, you know, I don't necessarily want to say that Nevada is going to be able to move the ball at will. Because I, I do think that it is worth noting that Boise State has continued to be pretty effective, especially when it comes to guarding against really explosive plays. You know, on the year, they're actually number one in the conference right now. They're actually tied with Fresno State. As far as 20-yard passing plays allowed, they've only allowed 15 on the season. And, you know, in conference play, they're number one. They stand alone with just seven. So, you know, you know they're going to attack. And you know they're going to take shots down the field. Like, Nevada has been, they've been good at one thing this year. You know, you look at their explosiveness metric over at Football Study Hall. They're ranked in the top 15 in that regard. But when you look at what Boise has been able to do, especially when it comes to defending and more passing situations, they're no slouches themselves. So it's really, you know, in my opinion, strength versus strength in this particular matchup. I can see that, but I still, I still think uh, it depends. Also, kind of going back to that Boise defense, like you mentioned, Washington State, they played really good for. I think they held Washington State without an offensive touchdown until midway through the fourth quarter. And then I know overtime is weird. He got the short field, so it's kind of just different. But UVA lit them up, passing the ball through a quarterback, and they're much better than we thought. And Ganges, what, what, one of the best quarterbacks in, a, in conference play, I should say. Look what he's done for CSU past couple weeks, and the, even though they're, they're losing, but he's been passing the ball, like you mentioned, very well. And so I think it depends what Boise defense shows up. Like, is Tyler Horton going to be back there? Can David Moe get a pass rush? Jabril Parker do, or Frazier do something? Back there, it's like. Well, is, is, is David Moa healthy though? Because wasn't he knocked out of last week's? I game? thought he returned to come back in. Wasn't that the case? I believe. I don't recall off the top. Uh, of my head. I did see his uh, somebody dressed up as David Moa for Halloween or something. I did see that. <laughs> but pretty good, actually. Yeah, but what I'm just saying is, this is probably the most comparable offense to Washington State, and they struggled in the second half. So or I guess more late later than second half, fourth quarter. So I'm thinking if they're going to get it done, Nevada, they're going to have to do it, during the air, do, do it through the air, and they've shown to do so. However, like I said, it's kind of back and forth. Like it's tell two halves for Boise's team. They've been playing much better the past month, undefeated in October, turning around since that, uh, boy, that Virginia loss. But that 20, 20, 22 points is way too much. And I think uh, Nevada's going to score points, but – 
I think Boise's figured out what they're doing. They're going to make an extra stop or two because the Rams' defense isn't very good. And who did they play last week? They lost to Air Force, right? Are you too rude? Nevada, Nevada, yeah, right? Is that who they played last week? Uh, Nevada lost to Air Force. Yeah, Air Force. So, yeah, two different teams, relatively speaking. But I think it's Boise's defense going to come and make a play, but it's going to be a lot of points. Like, there could be – what's the over-under? Do you have that in front of you, the point total? I do, and 70. it is – No, it's 58. I think it's going to be like – it's going to be like a 40 to 30 game, something like that. I think there will be a ton of points. I'm inclined to agree. I think Boise State's ultimately going to win a pretty wild game. Yeah. Like, I kind of expect them to be, I you know, I do kind of expect them to be able to move the ball at will, regardless of who's in her center. You know, or maybe this is kind of the, the big game that Alexander Madison has coming out. Like, would it, it wouldn't surprise me if Madison ended up running for, like, 200 yards. 200? Yeah. It, okay. I mean, I mean, would that shock you? Like if they, I mean, if they were, if they were running an offense that was built around keeping the Nevada offense off the field, I feel like this is the kind of game where, you know, they've kind of struggled against defending the run. And so this is a big opportunity for Madison in particular to play a huge role in how Boise dictates this game. So could be, you know, I'm with you. I think the, I think the Wolfpack are going to be able to get yards. I think they're going to be able to get points, but I don't know that they're going to be able to keep up with Boise. And so I have the Broncos winning. Um, I think I think the Wolfpack are definitely going to cover. Um, I'm going to say 40, 42, 42 to 30. 42 to 30. Because I think it'll be like Nevada comes on late because Boise will get out to a big enough lead and Nevada will just keep going and going and going and they'll break through eventually because Boise's defense is still sort of young even though we're week 10. They have the experience, but they've been susceptible a little bit. But... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 42-28. So it'll all be right. close enough, but not. It'll be keep an eye out for this game. All right, it's also not a super late game, so Boise fans show up because it's only five o'clock local time. Yes. All right, we got to hustle here again here, man. Whew. Colorado State at Wyoming, Border War, the, another great trophy. The bronze boot is on the line. It's in Laramie and it's on um, CBS Sports Network. Okay, um, are you ready for me to guess the line real quick? I am. So Wyoming, Wyoming's at home. CSU's pretty good. I'm going to go Rams by three and a half. Very close. It opened at three and a half, but it has moved to three. Close enough. I, I call that a victory. I, I, I got that one. <laughs> so is this going to be – this is like in the preseason. This is pro- arguably – well, there's a bunch of good quarterbacks, but one of the best quarterback matchups we'd see all year, but – is that the case? Because Josh Allen's coming off a pretty good victory over Wyoming, finally showing what he can do down the field, getting getting just throws on a laser to the receivers, getting guys on the sideline where only they can catch it. And part of it, as we mentioned recap, Austin Ford and James Price are finally healthy and doing good things. I, I feel like I kind of repeat myself when it comes to Wyoming every week. Find a running game? Are they going to be Are they going to be able to run the football? Yeah. Because, you know, they – they dispatched New Mexico pretty handily last week, basically by letting Josh Allen, I don't know, make throws all over the field, but also by creating really, really, really good field position. And, you know, one of the things that Colorado State's been able to do more often than not is take care of the football. They're going to be tested in 
in a way that I don't really think that they've been tested so far in conference play because obviously Wyoming, one of the huge keys to their success is the fact that, you know, they've created the most takeaways in the conference. You know, they're up to 24 on the season and Colorado State, you know, they're right around the middle of the pack as far as, you know, they've only given it up 13 times, but you know, in conference play, that's one of the things they've they've been best at. Like they're only they've only turned it over four times in conference play. But you know, if you go back and look at the defenses that they faced, you know, they faced Utah State, Hawaii, Nevada, New Mexico, and then last week Air Force was the first time that the Falcons really created many turnovers at all this year. This is a different kind of beast altogether, and you have to kind of wonder whether the Rams are going to be ready for that. We'll see. I, I don't, it, it is a. Would you say this is the best defense they faced, the Rams? In conference play, absolutely. What about? Oh yeah, I guess Alabama. So that's a little different, but there's <laughs> still Alabama. Those yeah. guys, the number two team in the country, I guess at the moment. <laughs> they're pretty. They're, they're pretty good. Yeah. Um, let me flip the offense really quick. So we discussed the running game. It's been pretty disastrous for the Cowboys. Doesn't help you lose Brian Hill and a couple starters from last year. But there's an interesting note just posted recently from Brian Fo- Brandon Foster over at the Casper Star Tribune. They've been rotating through right tackles like anything this year. Injuries, all stuff, all sorts of stuff is going on. They started last week uh, Brinkley Jolly at right tackle. So you think, okay, hmm. is he really the third string right tackle? Maybe not. He's just really quick on why this could help the running game this week. He started seven games last year for Wyoming including the uh, Mount West title game and the Point Stadium Bowl game. Obviously, they went through, won three of those games, including the upsets over Boise and San Diego State, both ranked at the time. And he played in his first snaps of the year last week versus New Mexico. And so, yes, he's their third right tackle to play, but he has quite a bit of experience being um, healthy because guys like uh, Alonzo Valsquez has the meniscus tear, and then Ryan Cummings um, started left guard, and now he's, been, he's in hospital with some sort of illness. So, maybe... If this guy's back, it's game two. Maybe that could give him a little boost in the ground game. I'm not going to say they're going to run to the right side and just go nuts against the Rams, but if you have a guy with that experience, and it's like with Fort and Price. In their second or third game coming back, more reps, they get better. I'm thinking that might be an area where maybe, just I'm trying to stretch here, that maybe one we can run a little bit better. Maybe. <laughs> you know, on the flip side, I think you kind of have to wonder – you know, if you know if they want to kind of be maybe a little bit conservative with Nick Stevens, at least to begin with, you know, what is the running situation going to look like? Because it seems like in the last couple of weeks they've been leaning a lot on Dalen Dawkins, and it's kind of made me wonder a little bit what's happening to the guys further down the depth chart. You know, Izzy Matthews has been hit or miss. Like I think he's actually scored a touchdown in every single game this year, if I'm not mistaken. So that's a credit to him. But I do kind of wonder what's happened, you know, to the running back by committee, you know, because Marvin Kinsey in Rashad Body only have 24 and 22 carries on the on the entire year so far. So for as good as Dawkins has been, and you know, I think Izzy Matthews has you know, been a pretty reliable scorer, you know, are they going to need to dig deep to really test a Wyoming front four especially that we talked last week about how they're kind of the walking wounded at this point New Mexico wasn't really in a position where they could take advantage of that and I think that Colorado State 
is the kind of team that could take advantage of that. Like if they wanted to run the ball, I don't know, 40, 50 times <laughs> and throw it 20 and, and throw it 20 times, you know, which is kind of maybe the opposite of what you would expect. You know, are they going to be able to kind of set the tone in that regard? I, I you th- think so. Because it's hard because the, this defense they're playing is really good. Wyoming's defense, I guess the one area is maybe the running game because they had five interceptions last week. They have Andrew Wingard. They have Logan um, Wilson back there. They have a lot of guys out there who are really good at passing the ball. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be the biggest test they've faced all year. So I think the big difference in this game, I know it's going to depend if Wyoming can run the ball well or not, but is this is like I have Nick Stevens as my top quarterback, which he's played that the whole year, I think, outside of maybe one or two games. Last week wasn't great, but if he's going to be like the the guy, because you know scouts are going to be there for Josh Allen if he's going to be come out this year or next year for the NFL draft, because people still have him top sixty guy, maybe higher top five quarterback, and they see Nick Stevens light up a defense that's pretty good. I think that's going to be a difference in the game. I think everything points toward the Rams winning. Unless Josh Allen has an amazing game because the Rams secondary without like Parker, he's gone. They're they're already bad as it is. If and he's out another game, and if Price steps up again for another week healthy, I think that's the only way they're going to win. If they're going to win, it's going to be Josh Allen passing them and throwing them to victory. And I don't know if that can be done completely. Yeah, I mean, I I went back because I was curious to see the starting lineups for Wyoming. Do you realize that they've had different combinations of starting offensive linemen every week for the last six games? I know it was bad for a while. I didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming like if Jolly starts again at right tackle this week, they're going to be able to kind of stop that. But that's something they've been dealing with all season long, you know, especially in conference play. So I think it's kind of to their credit that, you know, the offense is – at least in one respect, like they, they're they're able to keep Josh Allen on his feet. They're able to be a little bit functional. But it'll be interesting to see whether greater continuity does have a positive impact on their ability to run the ball or whether Colorado State can kind of rebound and force Wyoming to be one-dimensional. Because I think if you force Josh Allen to be the guy to make all the plays, like we've seen that sometimes it can work and sometimes it can go badly. I don't know exactly how that's going to look in this game, but it's something worth keeping an eye on. All right, so for the this game, I'm going Rams to win, and I think it'll be somewhat close than people think because the Rams they've given they've they've made give that yeah, been giving up a lot of points the past couple weeks. Like they finally it finally caught up to them last week, but I'm I'm going thirty to twenty four for the Rams. I think Wyoming's going to win it. Oh, you do, do you? They're going to take home the bronze boot, or I think they're. De- I think their defense is. I think their defense is going to lead them. You know, and I. It wouldn't surprise me if they create two or three more turnovers in the same way that Air Force was hmm. last week. So while you know, I kind of expect the Rams to be able to move the ball a little bit. I think you know if Wyoming creates turnovers in the way that I think they can. You know, they've been winning with great field position all year long, and so I don't really see any reason why they wouldn't be able to do so again. So I think it's going to be close, but I have Wyoming winning 24-20. to 20. All right, let's move on to the next game. Let's hustle here. San Diego State, San Jose State. Um, Aztecs by uh, 18. 
Uh, let me look that up. <laughs> I forgot to have that ready. Uh, I'm so used to being the one who answers. What, would you, what was he saying? 18. You're a little low. 24. It is 24. Opened at 26, moved down a couple points. Okay, honestly, what do we... Okay, for really quick, this game, if you're going to watch it, great, 8.30 p.m. It's on um, ESPN. I mean, Aztecs are not, not on their home network of CBS this week. <laughs> No. It's in in San Jose. Um, we'll have Anna there doing some stuff, uh, recap, tweeting, talking to Coach Brennan. Um, honestly, what do we need to say is like, what's the expectation for San Jose State? Because they should Montel Aaron's back again, but Aztecs should just win like forty to ten. I'm thinking, like, I'm not joking, like win by four touchdowns. I think the expectation is don't turn the ball over five times. Because you lose to BYU, what, 41 to 20? It's like, come on. You, Aztecs are way better than that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I wanted to look real quick to see how this this plague of turnovers has kind of stocked up in the last couple of years. The In, in the entire season last year, it was Hawaii was the one team that turned it over more, most often. And they only turned it over 25 times. Like in, in they're they've nearly equaled what the Warriors did in 2015 already. You know when they turned it over 34 times, and it's really kind of fascinating to see back over the years like where these. I'm actually seeing a lot of Hawaii now that I look at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when you go even further back, you start seeing a lot of New Mexico at the bottom of the charts. But like seriously, if they turn the ball over five more times, it's going to be the worst such figure in at least a decade you know cfb stats only goes back to 2008 but that's when hawaii finished the year or not hawaii wyoming mm-hmm. excuse me they finished the year with minus 22 oddly enough one of only two teams in the mountain west that year to finish below zero in turnover margin huh. they turned the ball over 36 times in 12 games <laughs> Jeez. And, and San Jose State's already turned it over 31 times in nine games. So I think if you're looking for any kind of moral victory whatsoever as a Spartan fan, don't turn the ball over. So, all right. It's it's going to happen, but I'm going to do I'm going to say it 40 to 10. No, 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 okay. no. I don't think they'll get a touchdown. I'll go 40 to 3. Ooh, wow. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. Sorry, 40 to 3. I'm doing it. I'm thinking it's kind of be it's going to be kind of uneventful, ten to zero. But I'm kind of, no, but I'm kind of thinking that San Jose San Jose State's going to get a backdoor cover of some kind. So I'm going to say twenty four to ten. You're too kind. I think I think this is the kind of game where the Aztecs just kind of put them in a sleeper hold. Do you are you getting coach uh, dancing lessons from Coach Carter? Is that what this is about? No. I just I just feel like, you know, San, Jose, San Diego State's going to win this game pretty handily, but it's going to be kind of a boring Aztecs-esque kind of win. All right, let's move on to the next one because there's nothing to talk about that game. Let's um, let's see if Penny um, – oh, really quick, what's the percentage Penny gets more yards this week than last week on the ground? He had 253. Oh, no, let's – zero. Okay. Just... <laughs> this is not to say that Penny's going to run for only 50 yards or something like that. I just think – expecting him to run for more than 250 yards on any given week is kind of ridiculous. I'm just saying, the Spartan rush defense is terrible, so. All right, uh, uh, all right let's all right. move on. I give it 4%, so there you go. I'm not too much higher. Right, last one. Yeah, B- oh, hey, BYU again. Welcome back, Cougars. How you doing? Uh, you're going to be at this game, right? Is that correct? 
Uh, we'll see how how productive I Maybe? am. Maybe okay. It's eight forty. It's seven forty-five, so it's a little bit later. You got BYU at Fresno. The line, um, really quick, it's ESPN two. I haven't even looked at this, but Fresno should be fair, favored by at least eight points. Well, you got to be more exact than that. Eight point five. <laughs> You're a little low again. Ooh, Twelve. A little low. Still. Fifteen. Fourteen and a half. That's a lot of points. Open at eleven, moved three and a half up to fourteen and a half. Where do you? What's your thoughts on that two touchdown line? I mean, I would have thought the same thing a week ago. Or actually, you know what? Never mind, because BYU was two touchdown favorites. A week yeah, ago. over Spartans, and, and I and I would have and I would have said that they should never be favored by two touchdowns against anybody. To me, I mean, the big difference in this game is obviously you're not facing a team that's going to, you know, be careless with the football. I think. You know, that's one thing that Fresno State's been exceedingly good at this year is just being able to take care of the ball. But, you know, are they going to be able to put forth this a better offensive effort than they did last week against UNLV? I think ultimately that's what this game is going to come down to because I think the defense, you know, I don't, for whatever reason, a lot of people are blaming the defense for giving up a few long drives, but also keeping them out of the yeah. end zone more often than not when they got into the red That's, zone. Yeah. I don't understand other people's rationales at all. <laughs> I think the defense is going to be fine in this game, but to me it's going to come down to the offense and whether or not... I think it's going to come down to whether or not they can use the running game to kind of keep BYU off balance because I don't know that this is necessarily the kind of game where you want to put it all in McMarion's hands. The running game kind of disappeared late last week, which was weird because they were only down seven going into the fourth quarter. So you, I, you kind of have to hope if you're a Bulldogs fan that maybe the offensive staff learned something from the fact that, you know, if Rivers is healthy, like he's averaging over five yards a carry. And Jordan Mims, who very quietly is actually the team's leading rusher now, he's averaging five yards a carry too. So there are guys back there who should be able to take advantage of a, of a, a good but not great BYU front seven. So, because BYU, they've been – they've had issues this year. They've been terrible. We, you've heard me say my accurate assess, assessment of them the past couple of while. while. So, I'm look, what I'm looking at here for this team, um, we don't know if, like, Ula Talatel is going to play because Buster for Pot last week, but they had uh, KJ Hall did well. Maybe Squall Canada will run the ball for them. I just – like, here's an article, a headline from the Deseret News. BYU's offense showing signs of life, but can it continue versus Fresno State? Well, first of all, when you beat up on San Jose State, how much uh, credit do you deserve, right? And they took advantage yeah. and they took advantage of a lot of turnovers, which is good for BYU for doing so, being able to t- turn over Monto Aaron and getting the ball. But Fresno State's defense is, offense is uh, Mike Sam McMarion. He doesn't turn it over too often. But he's not going like, to ch- like to chuck it for 30 times. They're going to want to be more balanced and just grind it out versus against the BYU's uh, rush defense. Because I just don't think... I just don't, I just don't think BYU has it still because they have no offense. And Fresno State is, what, top 25 in every major category? Total defense, pass defense, rush defense, scoring defense. BYU's offense, look the other way, is like just nothing. They do nothing. They got, like I said, they got the redshirt freshman Matt Bushman, who's their best weapon. They're under third string running back, essentially. Yeah, and and one more thing to keep in mind, which we haven't actually talked a lot about, mostly because it hasn't really factored in until right now. 
Keep an eye on the forecast for this game too, because last I checked, and I'm at which was actually like ten seconds ago, there's about a sixty percent chance of rain here in Fresno. So if if that's the case, I imagine that's going to make the Bulldogs more inclined to play kind of a ball control offense, where they lean you know not only on Mims and Rivers but also Josh Hokett. If, if I'm assuming he'll probably get more than five carries, which is what he got last week. You know, they have those three guys in the backfield who should be able to keep BYU on its toes, I think. So, do you... What do you expect to happen for this, for this game? Because, I, like, I've talked about BYU so much, I'm tired of talking about them because they're the same team and they beat a bad, like I said, a bad Spartans program. They have a decent quarterback and they have so many injury, injuries. They may have a, they have a decent secondary, maybe, like... I think Troy Warner is going to be healthy. To play, or what's it? one of the Warner brothers? One of them plays DB. It's really good. I think it, no Fred Warner. Maybe he'll play and guard Keyshawn Johnson and do something there. But they don't have any guys like to stop this receiving core. I think I think you you might be right. McMarion may not like throw a ton, but I think he could have a big game production wise in a per play basis. Have maybe his best game of the year. I mean, I don't think. I don't think this is the kind of game where they're going to be able to light up the scoreboard. I feel like this is the kind of game that, you know, it kind of throws off vibes similar to last week's game. Although I'm, I don't think BYU is as good as UNLV is. No, they, <laughs> they played a couple weeks. We'll find out for sure. So, so I'm thinking like it's not going to be an exciting game where there's a lot of big plays or anything like that. But I do kind of expect the Bulldogs to be able to play ball control, to be able to assert themselves against this defense, and to really keep the Cougars' offense in check. So I think BYU is going to cover, but I think Fresno State's going to win like twenty-one to ten or something like that. And what was the line? He says twenty-two, right? Uh, the line is no, not twenty-two. Sorry, fourteen. Uh, it would eleven to fourteen, right? Yeah, it was fourteen. I don't know where I got twenty-two from. I'm just like looking at what they do, like. I know their schedule was difficult the first half of the year, but, like, dude, they lost East Carolina. <laughs> That's all you got to say, right? They lost East Carolina. Yeah. yeah. Like, I know it was on the road going to Greenville, heading out east and everything, but, like, they're, on passing downs, they're not very good. On a success rate on passing downs, they're terrible. They are – they're just not good at anything. Like, what's the best thing they do? Like, if we've seen them enough, what is the best thing they do? Is it – can we just say – Lose. <laughs> I think we should end the show. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? No, yes. We're ending the show right there. The best thing they do is lose. <laughs> I, I, I got nothing to counter that. I was trying to say something, but you win. You win the show today. <laughs> but they don't. By do, the way, ran, uh, random. Well, well, actually, I'll hold off. No, no, I'll let you make your prediction. No, no, oh, prediction. Um, I'm going to go 28, 28, 28 to 10 for us now. Okay. So I was just, I wanted to look up your question earlier as to whether there were any other fruit-related trophies. In the FBS, I'm pretty sure that there is not. But when you dive down to the FCS oh, what ranks, do we got? See, what do we got? You see, <laughs> Albany and Stony Brook, have, they've been playing, let's see, I want to make sure I get this right. They first played in 1995 in what they call the uh, Empire Clash. Okay. And their trophy is called the Golden Apple Trophy. So, you know, the Apple Cup is and the uh, the new, whatever they're officially calling it, UNLV Hawaii Trophy, 
not the only fruit-related trophies out there. Okay. Okay. Oh, I see an SI article here. Albany, Stony Brook, the Battle for Trophy. Okay, yeah, the golden apple. I still want, like, an actual cooked trophy. Like, not cooked trophy, but, like, food. Like, I get the fruit, but, like I said, I want the, I want the burger, burger bonanza or something. I don't know. What would be – that's a good That's a good find, though. That's a, not a bad one, golden apple. They should stuck with the uh, golden pineapple, but they called it something else. We're going to have to wait for, I think, for the uh, famous Idaho Potato Bowl to get something like that for oh, reals. They, uh, there's that, but that's not really – you get a, a bowl full of potatoes – but that's not like a rival. That's the bull trophy. I know. I'm just saying you could do a lot with those potatoes, though. Try it. Well, one thing, anyway. one thing about it. So what's your, what's your, <laughs> sorry, what's your prediction? Sorry. 21 to 10. For oh, that's right. You said that. So I think we're, we've, we surpassed our show um, length today by quite a bit. <laughs> we, we, we don't stop talking, right? <laughs> we give the people what they want, but yeah, we'll stop talking. But also now. we had a few, we had two more non-conference games, Air Force and Army. BYU and uh, Fresno State, so you're welcome. And uh, hoping at the time you hear this, our new locations at home. So we apologize for the lack of written content. I guess check our Facebook page, but I haven't really been updating that either. So still check it out anyways. <laughs> but uh, yeah, hopefully we're up over at mwcwire.com, Mountain West Wire, part of again USA Today group as we have been just on our own. But yeah, check us out MWC Wire, um, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn, Stitcher. Um, if you find a trophy you like, or if you want to help us out, do some, um, crowdsourcing, do some research and help us find college football trophies that are, again, I want to find one that's not like a fruit or an inanimate object. I want, there's gotta be something in Texas, man. There's gotta be something with steak on the line, right? Cattle. You would think actual food, right? That's what we're about. Yeah, actual hot food. There is there there is the iron skillet between SMU Ooh, and TCU. That's close. That's that's good there. That's an instrument rather than actual food. That's a that's a cooking utensil, the skillet, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a, a a passageway to make a good Denver omelet or something. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, if you can find something about the food, I'll look as well. But we're just curious because we're gonna do some sort of article at some point on those type of things. But. That's our show for tonight. Uh, check uh, Matt's stuff out at Matt K underscore FS, us MWC Wire. And, yeah, check us out everywhere else, Facebook, Twitter, all the fun stuff. And, as always, yes, we're biased against your team. And also BYU.